the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. I've seen where the Holy Spirit reveals to a parent something about their child that their child is involved in. I've seen where the Holy Spirit has revealed something to a spouse about their husband, about their wife. Uh, Where the Holy Spirit reveals something about another believer, another brother in Christ or sister in in Christ. Where God just shows a person by the Spirit. God is still speaking. God is still revealing things to His people. Praise the Lord for that. Even though at times it might feel as if God is quiet, He is very much still speaking to His people. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan... He shares with you that God is always speaking through His Word, creation, and through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal things to you that God wants you to know. He will give you guidance, wisdom, and counsel. Pastor Dan encourages you to be led by the Holy Spirit. Seek God's voice through prayer and be open to what He has to say. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Ezekiel chapter 24 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. to Ezekiel 24. Uh, Well, if you've been with us in this Ezekiel study in the last few weeks, God has given Ezekiel several parables to preach to the people. And here in chapter 24, we have the last of the parables. Uh, And that's, that's kind of the first half of the chapter. Then the second half, we have the sudden death of Ezekiel's wife. And God will use both the parable and the death of Ezekiel's wife to speak to the people. He's going to use both of these things to communicate to the people. In verses 1 to 14, we have the parable of the boiling pot. And then verses 15 to 27, we have the death of Ezekiel's wife. So first, the parable of the boiling pot. Verse 1 says, And again in the ninth year... In the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, write down the name of the day, this very day, here's why, because king of Babylon started his siege against Jerusalem this very day. You know, Jeremiah and Ezekiel both have been warning the people That this was going to come, and now the day has finally arrived. And God tells Ezekiel to write down the date. Write down this very day. Write down this date, because on this very day, the Babylonians began their final siege of Jerusalem. Now, this week, as most of you know, Hurricane Sally hit the Gulf Coast. 
Uh, and what some of you might not know is my wife and I actually grew up on the Gulf Coast where that hurricane went ashore. Uh, most of our family is there. We have many friends there uh, in that area. So over the last couple days, my wife and I have been watching videos online, countless videos of the destruction that has taken place there along the Gulf Coast. And we've been receiving pictures and text messages from family members and friends. In fact, during the storm, we were receiving text messages and pictures and videos from family members and getting like real-time live updates as, as the storm was coming ashore. Uh, and that, you know, that's one of the blessings of living in the day that we live in, where you can have instant information and instant access an instant knowledge of what's going on a thousand miles away. Well, if you remember Ezekiel, he's in Babylon. Uh, Ezekiel's 1,600 miles away from Jerusalem, and there's no television, there's no internet, there's no social media, there's no texting or anything like that for Ezekiel. Ezekiel didn't have any way of knowing that this was the day that the siege of Jerusalem began, except for God told him. God communicated it. God spoke to him. And it says in verse 1 again, Ezekiel received this message in the ninth year. Now over in chapter 33, you don't have to turn there, but over in chapter 33, verse 21, a survivor of the siege of Jerusalem shows up in Babylon to tell the people the city has been captured. And we're told in chapter 33, that messenger shows up in Babylon in the twelfth year. So here it is the ninth year, and it's three years before someone actually shows up in Babylon with news about the siege in Jerusalem. But God revealed it to Ezekiel. God revealed it to Ezekiel on the very day the siege began. Way ahead of the news. You know, for Ezekiel, God was the real-time update of what was going on 1,600 miles away. You know, almost a third of the Bible is prophecy. 27% of the Bible is prophecy. To give you a little, little nerdy perspective here, the New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, New Testament makes up 22% of your Bible. Prophecy is 27% of the Bible. Almost a whole third of the Bible, uh, God is talking about future events before they happen. God tells us of future events ahead of time so that we know what to expect, so that we're not surprised when we see things begin to happen in the world. God told us so that we would know, so that we would expect these things. You know, the Apostle Paul, for example, says that in the last days, perilous times will come upon the earth. So that we aren't surprised or we shouldn't be surprised when we see perilous times coming upon the earth as they are in these days. And why does God do that? Why does he tell us? Why is there prophecy? Why does he tell us ahead of time? Prophecy helps us to process the world we're living in, especially today, especially in these days. Prophecy helps us process the world we're living in. It gives us a context in which we can understand what in the world is going on? And I, I don't see how, how anyone can process this world 
without the Scriptures and without the hope of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know what, what the world is looking to to try to understand what is happening in the world today. But God has blessed us with the Scriptures and He has blessed us with prophecy. He's told us ahead of time how things will play out in the last days before His return. And in addition to prophecy in the Bible, we also have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts such as the gift of prophecy or the word of knowledge, uh, where the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, shows us things. And often the Holy Spirit is very specific and very personal in the way He reveals things to us. Uh, I've seen where the Holy Spirit reveals to a parent something about their child that their child is involved in. I've seen where the Holy Spirit has revealed something to a spouse about their husband, about their wife, uh, where the Holy Spirit reveals something about another believer, another brother in Christ or sister in, in Christ, where God just shows a person by the Spirit. God is still speaking. God is re- still revealing things to His people. Praise the Lord for that. And here, God reveals to Ezekiel the very day the siege of Jerusalem began. Now, we know historically this final siege of Jerusalem began in the year 588 B.C. It lasted for over two years. 586 B.C., Jerusalem will fall. But this is when it begins here. And God reveals it to Ezekiel while he's in Babylon, over a thousand miles away. And then God tells Ezekiel in verse 3, utter a parable to the rebellious house. This is what he calls uh, the, the people of, of Israel. They're a rebellious house. And, he, and say to them, thus says the Lord God. So here's the parable. Put on a pot. Uh, and it seems, you know, as we've gone through Ezekiel, Ezekiel probably literally put on a pot over a fire and began to boil water. Because we've seen him act out these other parables before. Put on a pot, set it on, and also pour water into it. Gather pieces of meat in it. Every good piece, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice cuts. Take the choice of the flock. Also pile fuel bones. They would often use bones for fuel for the fire under it. Make it boil well. Let the cuts simmer in it. So he's making a stew here, right? And he's using the choicest cuts of meat, the best meat for this stew. Got a pot He's got water in it. The water's boiling. He's got the choicest cuts of meat in that pot. He's making like a little stew here over a a fire. What does this represent in this parable? The people of Judah and Jerusalem saw themselves as the choicest cut of meat, so to speak, or the best cut of meat. Because here's why God did not send them into captivity into Babylon like he did some of the other people the last time the Babylonians invaded the land. They were still in Jerusalem. They were still living in Judah. God spared them, and they believed they were spared because they deserved to be spared. And those who were taken into captivity went into captivity because they deserved to go into captivity. And that those that were still in Jerusalem and Judah, they were better. They were the choicest cuts. And, and really, we know that those taken into captivity were the fortunate ones <laughs> because they were spared of this judgment that is to come upon Judah. But those in Judah, they, they believed they were left behind because they were better 
and they were more deserving than the others. Now, the Bible warns us to not think more highly of ourselves than we really ought to think. And we should, uh, we should not think better of ourselves or think that we're better than anyone else. We're all, we're all equal in God's eyes. We're all equally sinners in need of grace in God's eyes. It's been said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all on the same footing before God. We're all dead in our trespasses and sins in need of salvation. And so we, we shouldn't see ourselves as, as better than anyone else or any other group. And we're all guilty. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The people of Jerusalem and Judah, they, they pridefully viewed themselves better than those that were taken in captivity earlier. And to them, they would, they would think, well, well, they got what they deserved. Now, there's a reason why God took them into captivity, and there's a reason why God allowed us to stay here and remain in Jerusalem. We're, we're better than they. They're, they're less than us. It was kind of the mentality. You know, you see that same mentality in the New Testament and the Gospels. There is Jesus is, is discipling his disciples, talking to them. You see a, a couple occasions where, you know, the, the disciples ask questions like with the, with the man born blind. Well, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Right? There's this mentality that, you know, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. Right? And so if something bad's happened, it's because they deserve it. It's their own doing. And really, what does the Bible say? We're all guilty before God. There's none good, no, not one. And we all stand condemned and we all need salvation. And so for those living in Jerusalem and Judah, you know, they have the sin of pride and the way they look down on those that were carried away in captivity. Verse 6 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose scum is in it. And whose scum is not good from it. It's, it's fun saying the word scum. You don't get very many opportunities to use that word anymore once you're an adult. Bring it out piece by piece on which no lot has fallen. God says, woe to that bloody city. You know what the Hebrew word for woe is? Oi. <laughs> Oi to that bloody city. Again, we see, we saw this earlier where he calls it the bloody city. Not the city of truth, bloody city. There's only one other city in the Bible that God calls the bloody city, and that's the city of Nineveh, capital of Assyria. Such a, such a wicked, evil city. Remember when God called Jonah the prophet to go to Nineveh and preach to Nineveh? God, Jonah got on a ship and he went the opposite direction. There's no way I'm going to Nineveh. 
Because Jonah knew that God was a merciful God and that if the people of Nineveh repented of their sins, that God would forgive them. And in Jonah's mind, they don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve the opportunity to be forgiven by God because they're such wicked people. Nineveh is the only other bloody city in, in the Bible. But here, God calls Jerusalem bloody city. It's, it's called the bloody city because it's a city full of sin. It's a city full of bloodshed and violence as we've seen in our study through Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He describes the city as a pot covered with scum. A pot covered with scum. Uh, you've, you've cooked before where the, where the pot or the pan is covered with like baked on food that you have to scour off of the pan. That's the scum, right? Uh, this week, my wife made a big pan of lasagna. And, and you, you know, you can picture in your mind what a, what a pan looks like after lasagna. Right? It's just, it, just, it needs to be scoured clean. He says here that, that Judah, Jerusalem, they're like a pot just covered with, with scum. And in this case, the scum is the sin of the people. It's, it's the filth, it's the moral corruption of the nation. Which, this reminds us, by the way, we're all in the same pot as Americans, aren't we? <laughs> Sometimes the, the United States is referred to as the great melting pot. We're all in the same pot, and we've, we've got scum in the pot. We've got sin in our nation. We've got sin in our nation. Verse 6, God says, the scum is not gone from it. And the idea here is God has tried to remove the scum from Judah, but nothing is working. God can't seem to get it clean. It's not because, and listen, it's not because God is unable to make it clean. It's not because God lacks the power to make the nation of Judah clean. That's not the issue. The problem is the people of Judah will not cooperate with God. The people of Judah were not willing to humble themselves before God and pray and seek His face and turn from their wicked ways so that He can heal their land. Why not? Why wouldn't they pray? Why wouldn't they humble themselves? Why wouldn't they turn from their wicked ways and seek His face so that God can heal their land? Their land's in a lot of trouble. Their nation's in a mess. Why wouldn't they do that? Because they don't want to be clean. They don't want to be clean. They don't want the scum removed. They want to keep their scum. That's the real issue in Judah and Jerusalem. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said, Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness rather than light. They love their scum. They don't want to get rid of the scum. They don't want to get rid of their sin. You know, God wants to clean our nation just as He does every nation. God wants to remove our scum from our nation, just as He wants to remove the scum from all, all nations. But, but we, as a nation, must turn to Him, and we must cooperate with Him and do things God, God's way. Just as God wants to clean up an individual's life, and wants to remove the scum from an individual's life. And God wants to bring healing and cleansing and forgiveness. He wants to make all things new for an individual. But for God to do that, that individual has to repent of their sins and turn to God for salvation. That individual has to uh, cooperate with God. 
so that God can make them clean. And for Judah, they just didn't want to be clean. They didn't want to get rid of their scum. They liked the scum. So verse 7, he tells us, for her, her blood is in her midst. She sets it on top of a rock. She did not pour it in on the ground to cover it with dust. Then you'd read that you think, what in the world is this talking about? This is from Leviticus chapter 17. If you're a note taker, Leviticus 17, 13. According to the law in Leviticus, when an animal is killed, like for sacrifice, its blood was to be drained because you're not to eat the blood with the animal because the life is in the blood. So you're to drain the blood. And in the, in the law, you're to drain the blood into the ground and then cover it up with dirt or bury the, the blood. And what, what God is saying here in verse 7 is Judah is at the point where they're not even trying to cover the blood. They're just pouring it out on a rock. They're not even trying to, to bury it. In other words, Judah was not even trying to hide their sin or their immorality or their rebellion as a nation. They're not trying to cover it up anymore. They're not trying to be discreet or hide it away. It's all right out there in the open in the, in the nation. And boy, you look at our nation morally. You think about what's happened in our nation just, just in our lifetimes. For those of you that are, you know, over 30, the last 20 or 30 or 40 years, the things in our culture that have just become normalized. That 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you maybe knew those things existed, but you had, you, you had to go look for them. You could only find them in certain places if you knew where to find them at all. And now it's just normal. We're not even trying to conceal it in our society. We're changing our laws to accommodate those things. He says in verse 8 that it may raise up fury and take vengeance. I have set her blood on top of a rock that it may not be covered. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city. I too will make the pyre great. Heap on the wood, kindle the fire, cook the meat well, mix in the spices, and let the cuts be burned up. If you're making some stew, you don't want to burn the stew. God says, make the fire great. Just burn it up, burn up the meat. Then set the pot empty on the coals that it may become hot and its bronze may, may burn, that its filthiness may be melted in it, that its scum may be consumed she has grown weary with lies, and her great scum has not gone from her. Let her scum be in the fire. And your filthiness is lewdness, because I have cleansed you, and you were not cleansed. You will not be cleansed of your filthiness anymore till I have caused my fury to rest upon you. God says here that he attempted to cleanse Judah of her filthiness. Now, how did God do that? Well, God sent godly kings to the nation. Kings like Josiah uh, and, and these godly kings implemented moral reformation. You know, they passed laws that were morally right and that honored God and the nation. But that reformation was temporary. Once that king, that godly king passed off the scene, the nation with the next king would go right back to their immorality and their sin, right back to their filth. God also sent prophets to the nation to call the nation to repentance and to turn back to God. But the nation, as you know, as we've seen, they rejected the prophets. They wouldn't listen to what they had to say. They mocked the prophets. That's what God means in verse 13 when he says, you will not be cleansed. I've tried to clean you. I just can't get you clean. Yeah. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Ezekiel. The Israelites had a difficult time trusting God, especially when things didn't go their way. But despite their wavering faith, God's faithfulness never wavered. He even sent someone like Ezekiel to speak not only truth, but hope. God had something much greater for the Israelites, and He has something much greater for you, too. If today's message with Pastor Dan on Ring of Truth has touched you and you'd like to know more about how God can change your life, we'd love to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. And we highly encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your growing faith. If you're ever in the Columbia, Maryland area, we'd love to have you join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Each week, we gather together for a time of worship and Bible study. And we'd love to have you join us. You can visit our website at calvaryec.com to find directions, service times, and what you can expect when you join us. We want to say thank you for joining us today. Pastor Dan will have much more to share from the Bible when you tune in next time, right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize